Henry Handsome was a larger-than-life outlaw cowboy. At least that's how the legend goes. Henry Handsome Lived and Died examines the creation, evolution, proliferation, dissemination, and degradation of American folklore. Through 30 different short stories, the character, vague idea, false memory, misattributed anecdote, or influence of the titular Henry Handsome does everything from change the course of American media to sculpt modern-day knowledge of manifest destiny. Together, the collection represents the stories that create and define a culture, how those stories are told, and if they ever were to begin with, and if any of that matters at all. Each story was written, recorded, narrated, and produced by me, Elliot Matson. If you'd like to learn more about the collection, go to elliotmatson.com slash henryhandsome. But for now, saddle up and enjoy the story. Henry Hansom Lived and Died, story number 30. Henry Hansen lived and died. Henry Hansen lived out on the range further than anyone cared to venture. I'd happily tell you whereabouts, but I don't know and don't think anyone does. But I guess if you want a pretty little picture painted in your head, let's say it was Oregon. Central Oregon, where high desert rolling hills break against rocks and rivers like terracotta pots dropped on the ground. Henry never intended to spend the latter part of his life here. He just ended up doing it. He used to be tall, broad-shouldered, square-jawed. Some senoritas down south even called him the looker at some point or another. In his youth, he got the attention he needed. Then he found a plot of untouched land he could give his attention to. He built a small cabin, and it became all he needed. He grew up in the church, but God didn't need his attention anymore. His dog, Matilda, a wily cur who used to bring him squirrels and possum, had died, and his sadness had long since calcified over his heart. Matilda didn't overstay her welcome on this planet, and Henry hoped he'd do the same. But even if the days went on, he didn't mind them for now. His skin had turned liver-spotted like flecks of gold in the riverbed. His eyes went from hazel to dusty blue. The hair in his nose and ears sprouted like lichen from an old cobblestone walkway. He didn't trim his beard because he figured nobody was around to see him anyway. He kept his rituals when he wanted to the things that made him feel just human enough. While some days he could have just as easily been the earth, the trees, or a star in the sky. Today, as the August heat lulled him from half-sleep, he splashed the last of his cold well water in his dusty face. He tended to the garden. Nothing special, some camas, carrots, alfalfa. He picked his teeth clean of last night's venison with one of those alfalfa sprouts as he dredged more water from the well. His one dead tooth still bothered him every day, but he reckoned that's just how things go. He'd never been to a dentist. Back then, your doctor was your barber and your dentist didn't exist. Henry patted his forehead with his kerchief. The thing used to be redder than a baboon's ass, just like his slacks used to fit him by some stretch of a tailor's imagination. Occasionally, he'd taken the point of his whittling knife to add another notch to his belt. He wondered why that saying of adding notches to a belt was positive. Far as he could tell, he was just fucking up a good belt. He'd survived before, though, I'll tell you what. That time out in the Canadian Rockies, boy, howdy. Down in the Alamo, Little Bighorn, Spanish-American, Mexican-American. Hell, American-American if memory serves, but it often doesn't. He witnessed the land grow with him. He met men who were larger than life. Sometimes he fought them. Sometimes he drank with them. There was one fella he cooked breakfast for who was bigger than a goddamn giant. But Henry wasn't ever that tall anyway. It's a strange thing, he thought often. 
To see a country go through so much change in one lifetime. To see a land molded. Not so much like clay in your hands, but more like a glacier carving a valley and you best get the hell out of its way. He wiped more sweat from his forehead, this time with his arm because his kerchief was too damn filthy and he didn't know where his hat got to. Ain't that the lick of it? He owned about seven things and still misplaced one of them. Next to his belt sat a small hunk of wood from that ponderosa he chopped down the other day. A small train had begun to take shape under his deft blade. Maybe it was always there. He didn't know who he'd give it to when he was finished, but he liked the idea of a project to keep him focused. His daddy always told him a man could have working hands or drinking hands. Both will keep you busy. He carved a small hole in the top of the toy locomotive and stuck a frayed piece of twine in it so it looked like a steam engine. His mama and daddy took him on a train once to see the circus. Before then, the closest thing he'd seen to an elephant was a big gray dog. It seemed so spectacular then, but even now as he imagined it, it didn't seem all that outlandish. In the evening, he stripped down to his skivvies and headed to the creek. Like I said, out here, modesty became a windswept memory. A lot of things had. The sun-warmed dirt held onto each footprint long enough to know he was there. It already felt cooler by the water, the constant momentum crackling like icicles hanging from a tin roof. Henry chuckled at the alabaster outlines on his body untouched by the day's labor. Gave the term birthday suit a new meaning, I reckon. Was it his birthday? I am not sure, neither was he. A swollen log drifted by, bumping into rocks along the bank before disappearing around the bend. Henry breathed deep and took in the amber sky, beholding the splendor of his adopted home. He didn't behold things often enough, he decided. He would have made a note to do it more, but didn't have a pen or paper. Eh, maybe they'd turn up with his hat. When he stepped into the frigid water, dirt and mud plumed around his ankles, reflected like sun dogs in the waning light. He looked at his twiggy legs, above the water dirty as all get out, and underneath somnambulant and clean. He headed to the low spot in the middle of the creek and sank. He stayed submerged, staring at the water's surface from below. The shining, vascular structures of liquid illuminated in gold, effervescence floating through his ears and nostrils, the universe collapsing in on itself and being reborn again. He lay suspended in an infinite baptism between salvation and whatever wasn't. The earth had already cooled as he made his way back to the cabin. He licked salty vapor from his mustache and draped his wolf pelt around his shoulders. A glint caught his eye and he picked up what looked like a turquoise bead. He puzzled at it for a spell. He knew there ain't typically jewelry like this out in these parts and imagined how far it must have come to be deposited in the middle of nowhere beneath his feet. A small wooden box sat on the floor beside his bed. Brass hinges, a nick in the side, and chip varnish. Now, maybe it was supposed to be for chocolates or cigars, but... Henry used it for oddities, which out here were few and far between. Usually he would have tossed the bead inside along with the little medicine vial he found floating in the creek one day or that playbill from a bygone era when a woman tried to make him cultured. But he liked the look of the bead, so he retrieved a remnant from his twine, looped it through the hole, and tied it around his neck. Usually out on his porch, which wasn't really a porch in so much it was the front of his cabin, on summer nights, he would perch on his rocking chair and Matilda would perch her head on his knee. He could still feel the weight against him sometimes and didn't know if it brought him comfort or sadness. 
They were just two different stories to tell, and you could tell them both. As the horizon juiced the sky of any last light, the whole galaxy emerged around Henry. He reckoned he could see damn near to a whole nother planet there was such a thing. He stayed awake as long as he could, but there was no point, seeing as this all would be here again real soon. The empty rocking chair lulled to stillness as he closed his door. If you didn't know anyone lived there, you wouldn't have thought any different. Henry wouldn't have had it any other way. I suppose if you wanted to remark on the remarkability of his life, you could. Though I don't think there'd be much to say. Plenty of other ways to spend your time, and I ain't going to tell you how to spend it. Eventually, not today or tomorrow, but maybe years down the line, let's see. Henry Hansen died. Thanks for listening to Henry Hansom Lived and Died. If you'd like to learn more about the collection, go to elliotmanson.com slash henryhansom.com.